Hello and welcome to the Particular Good podcast. I said particular good, not particularly good. It's the name, not the claim. Coming to you from St. Bernard School of Theology and Ministry in Rochester, Albany, Buffalo, and Syracuse, New York. I'm Charles Yusuf, Assistant Professor of Sacred Scripture at St. Bernard's. And joining me today are Marco Stengo, the Italian philosopher, and Apollonio Latar, Theology Department Chair at St. Paul VI Catholic High School. Welcome, Marco and Apollonio. Glad to be here. Hi, Charles. So um, today we're going to be talking about Luigi Giussani. Giussani is a, an Italian theologian and priest uh, in the 20th century, and he uh, started a movement called Communion and Liberation. Both Apollonio and Marco are part of this movement, uh, Communion and Liberation, and it's been a very important part of their own formation. And they are teaching a class together this summer for St. Bernard's on Giussani called Wounded by Beauty. So today I wanted to talk with them about Jasani, who he was, what his deal was, and uh, what he was on about, and sort of get a sense for this figure and this movement of the 20th century in theology. So I wanted to ask you both uh, first to tell us a little bit about the biography of Jasani. Who was he? Uh, If someone's never heard of him, if you were just going to give him a quick rundown, uh, what's he all about? Uh, Jasani, as you said, is a... Uh, theologian and uh, uh, first of all a priest and an educator Uh, when asked this question during a famous interview he said I am just a priest of the diocese of Milano who like many other priests from this diocese have tried to convey the reasonableness and uh, the the beauty of faith to to many of the young people I've encountered so this is the definition that he gave of himself and it's also interesting to me that for example, in Desio, there is a, a plaque uh, dedicated to him, um, and the title given to him uh, on that plaque is not that of priest, not of that of theologian, but is that of educator. Hmm. And so I would say that um, even his theology and his work uh, for the movement and in the movement is really the love for the education of the young people, but also of the adults. To, 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 to the life of faith. The idea that the life of faith is born out of an encounter with, uh, with Christ, but then requires an education. And that what his company would, uh, and the company of this movement would provide. So this is just to give a very brief and uh, somewhat random introduction to Giussani's life. Uh, maybe Apollonio wants to add something. Yeah, I, mean, I think the best way to start was uh, is to look at how he told a story about when he was in the train. This was in the early 1950s. He was a theologian at Venegona School um, in the seminary. And he was in the train and he was talking to a bunch of kids. And more or less, he discovered that these kids don't know anything about the faith. Or at least faith was not something that touched them. That was not part of their lives. That was not relevant to them. And we're talking about before Vatican II, when every Italian pretty much went to church, at least formalistically. Um, they followed the Pope and so on. But Giussani at this moment saw that there was already a problem. And he saw that faith was something external to them, or at least did not um, affect them in a way that 
uh, a person who's in love is affected. And so he wanted, and from that on, he, he discovered that he needs to go to a high school um, and teach theology. In fact, um, we can say that the movement's uh, communal liberation was born in those years in Berkshire High School. Uh, he taught there from 1954 to 1965. So I think those were the years, like formative years for the, the whole movement. And they're pretty much, he wanted to show that Christ was everything for the human person. Even uh, It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're in math class, you're uh, playing soccer or whatever it is, Christ is everything. He's the meaning of your life. And therefore, he is also the meaning of uh, uh, the math class is the meaning of life in your uh, soccer or when you're cu- you're cooking, when you're washing dishes. He's everything for you, and for him that was the point. Christ, either he's everything, or uh, we should stop being Christians. And I think that's the uh, for me that's the the way I would describe his charism. Either Christ is everything, or we should just go home and do something else. <laughs> He was all in. Yeah. And you, you brought up this point that he taught high school students. Um, this was, he was teaching at a seminary before that, right? He was a seminary professor. And then he had this experience and said, no, I got to go teach the, in high school. And, and I love that, that he was buried under the title educator. That's, that's amazing. Um, so you said communion and liberation was born out of this high school. How, how did that practically happen? Was this a, a, what is communion and liberation? How does it function? Maybe I can start saying something and then we, we um, uh, at first, uh, the, the, the movement of the group of people that gathered around Giussani was called not communion and liberation, was called Juventus Studentesca, uh, which are uh, student youth. I guess that's a good translation of the Italian name, Juventus Studentesca. And uh, it was just a group of students as the Berche High School, as Apollonio said, who um, had Giussani as a religion teacher, uh, because in Italy, uh, we still study religion uh, in public high school as part of the normal standard curriculum. And... Um, and that, that was the, the, the birth of uh, the movement, uh, the, the, the first seeds that would then turn into the movement of communal liberation after, after 68. The story is complex because we have then the break of the 68 with the Contestazione in Italy and Europe and uh, the um, uh, recomposition of rebirth of what was Juventus Studentesca before the time into the proper movement that then um, called itself communion and liberation. But um, that's why for me the importance of, of, of Jusan, understanding Giussani as an educator is key because the presence of the movement before Juventus Studentesca and then communal liberation in high schools and then in, uh, at the university was always key always, always key. And um, uh, the, 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 the insistence of Giussani, uh, as Apollonio mentioned, on uh, proposing the faith uh, not as something attached to life from, from, from the outside, but as, as uh, the form of life. 
avoiding any kind of dualism, dualisms uh, to which we are drawn uh, in our postmodern, I guess, or contemporary time between faith and life or between faith and reason or whatnot. His understanding, his intuition that the opposition, the traditional opposition between faith and reason was now lived as an opposition between faith and life. And uh, his proposal, constant proposal, was exactly in this direction, avoiding any dualisms and proposing life as, um, sorry, proposing faith as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a valid option for life. That's why the other important notion is the notion of culture. Uh, if faith does not become culture, meaning the way in which people live and eat and sleep and work and die, uh, then faith does not have an impact uh, uh, truly in our life, does not change us. And this is what you've both encountered, right? This uh, in communion liberation, you discovered a faith that became your culture. Is that fair for both of you? They're, I'm getting nods. They're giving me nods. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first time I met uh, this charism was in... in in a university where I just met a, a couple of people who we just loved life. It was very simple. They loved life. They loved to study, which was very interesting because I just wanted to study just to get the grade and then move on from college. But they were actually very interested in what they were studying. And they loved everything from music to art, to history, to science, everything. And I was really moved by that. Um, and the other thing that's really interesting is... Um, Yusani always emphasized that God became flesh. Um, it's really, this is really interesting because incarnation is the center of his thought, I think, in the sense that it is through the human person, through the human flesh, that we can encounter God. Um, so it's not just an abstract thing where I have an idea of Jesus or even have a picture of Jesus, I trust in you of St. Faustine, which I love, by the way. But, you know, when I think of Christ, what do I think of? Um, and my faith has grown in that whenever, whenever I think of Christ, I think of my friends now, the people that I've met, because that's how concrete Christ has touched me. It's through the human flesh that uh, God comes to us. And th the interesting point is this, that um, Giussani used to go to Rome and ask um, Ratzinger, then Cardinal Ratzinger, to see whether what he was saying was orthodox or if he could reformulate some things. And one of the things that Giussani wanted to ask Ratzinger was, is it okay if I say it's through the human flesh that God comes to us and it's, it's through the human flesh that we can encounter God? And Ratzinger was also said, yes, that's, that is the Christian faith. Um, it's through the human flesh that God, that we, it's through the human face that God sees us, right? Um, and so I think that was really, really important and where the word communion really uh, radiates this understanding that we live this common life, this other person uh, who has the same flesh as I do, uh, human nature, human flesh. Um, and it's hard because the other person has different personalities, psychology, uh, interests, but it's the objective way through which God can come to me personally uh, in my history. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yep. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, like, just to 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 name uh, the 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 person through whom I met the movement. Yeah. Uh, I I I uh, I was in high school, and uh, 
I, with some, some of my classmates, had this um, philosophy professor. And um, at some point, we realized, just three or four of us, that you know, it was possible to talk to him. And it was possible to talk to him about life. He was interested in our life, which was shocking. You know, it was shocking, not only because other professors were not necessarily, but not because they were evil or bad or whatever. It's just because, you know, they had other things to do. They had, you know, programs to follow and to implement or whatever. And even I remember to me, even in, in an Italian literature class, when you read all this beautiful poetry on life and death and passion and love, like talking about life, talking about what that had to do with our life was always let's say, not part of the work we would do in class. And uh, with this, philosophy professor was different. And none of us was actually a believer in any way. We were culturally Catholic, which means pretty much nothing now, these days in Italy. But And so we started to talk to him and we started to meet on Saturday morning. At first, talking about various philosophical topics, but always with this method, which then I discovered, we discovered, was the method uh, of Giussani, the method of experience, because nothing mm. we would discuss. Uh, remember, the first one was Epicurus and Epicurus' position on death. And we moved on to other thinkers and ideas, but always by trying to compare what we would discuss with, with our experience, with what Giussani calls the heart. Yeah. With the needs of our nature, with the need for beauty, for justice, for truth, for happiness. And um, I remember proposing to this professor to read the Bible together. And he said, well, why don't we read the religious sense? And <laughs> to <laughs> us, <laughs> but I think it was not for, for a twisted desire to create new CL followers, but it was more <laughs> for, because he, he, I think he knew that that was a good way to start a good way to start yeah, with us. Good. And that's where it all started for us. That's good. So both of you had these personal human encounters that led into your interest in Jasani and communion liberation. For me, this was true as well. Mine is much more recent than for either of you. Mine was last fall when we were interviewing candidates for professor here at St. Bernard's. And I attended Marco's talk on what I couldn't even tell you what it was about at this point, actually. But it was so compelling to me, this talk, that I, on a personal level, beyond the question of, you know, who should be hired, I was just really, uh, it was engaging to me at, at this very level of, of what it means to be a person and a Christian. It was, uh, you know, dealing with beauty and desire and death and the whole show, but in a way that I can't convey in a very compelling way here on this podcast. But it was wonderful as Marco was sharing it. And he said something about communion and liberation. I was like, I've never heard of this. Everybody else seems to know what this is, but I don't. So I immediately set about investigating this group, what it could be, because I also was like, I, whatever he's got going on, I would like to, to be a part of that. So The implication of what you just said is maybe that you didn't want me to be hired, but you really, really liked me personally. That's, that's exactly that's, right. That's what yeah, I yeah, hear. Yeah. <laughs> that was right. <laughs> The, the question of whether you should be hired fell off the wayside. It was more about like, need more of that. So for both of you then, this was not an academic study that you said about. This isn't, um, this isn't something you wrote a dissertation on. This isn't, uh, it has informed your academic study and uh, both of you have done 
philosophy and Marco's uh, career and Apollonio studied theology at uh, in Rome. And so you've both done academic work, but, and it's been informed by Giussani, but he wasn't like the academic subject. It's been more of a encounter, more of a way of life. So whatever you found here was so compelling that you wanted to sort of make, make this part of your life regularly. You both attend uh, school of community meetings every week and uh, are part of community and liberation. And um, Jasani's informed and inflected the way you've lived out your Christian life is that I think is fair to say. So what I want to ask with all this is what is ongoingly so compelling about Jasani for you and how has that shaped your life? I think for me, um, and again, Marco said pretty much the same thing, where um, there were a, a couple of people, very small people, who looked at my life and was just interested in my life and wanted to, to look at my life, look at reality, and let's look at it, let's see it. And for me, it was just very beautiful because it was this contemplative attitude that was really fascinating for me. You have to really look at your life and judge it. Uh, see it. Um, and that's what I wanted. I did not know I wanted it, but that's, I, you know, it dawned upon me, you know what, this is what I really want in life to take life seriously, um, to be engaged with it. And for me, it's this friendship that allows me to um, carry everything. Um, and for me, it, the, the interesting thing is this, um, the way Jusani, um, the way he reads scripture is so fascinating. To me, that was one of the most attractive thing about Jusani was the way he, he read scripture. Um, and for me, it, I mean, I had this question in college. I mean, I was Catholic and so on. I went to adoration and, you know, I, I wanted good liturgies and so on. But I, I wanted to know uh, why does everyone have to know Christ? What is it about Christ that is really fascinating? And the way Jusani read scripture was interesting because he said, he asked the question, what allowed people to leave everything behind and follow him? What is it about this man that allowed them to have this great affection for Christ? Mm-hmm. And he used this word, which I always, I will, I will always remember. It was very simple. And he said, this man was exceptional. Mm-hmm. And he, he said that exceptionality is that which corresponds to the deepest desires of your heart. It was very simple. It was something he he used a word that explained my experience of Christ already, but in a way that um, I couldn't have without hearing these words. Mm-hmm. And so I needed him to explain my own heart, my own desires, my own experience, which I, in some ways I already knew, but he gave me the words to look at my life. Mm. Um, and for me, he always gives me these words, which are which come from a rich experience. And sometimes we use a lot of words that are very impoverished or, you know, even, even think about the words that we use today, fatherhood, friendship, right. Um, communion. Uh, we use these words as if they don't have any weight anymore. Mm-hmm. But when Yusani use words, they always carried a great weight in them. And so it allowed, I mean, that, that simple word exceptional. I mean, I kept repeating it because it explained to me what my life was about. And, it explained also why I was attracted to Christ. Finally, I found a word that can explain to me my own life and my own experience. Mm. And, and even today, I have friends who allow me to look at my life this way. What are the words that I can use to look at, say, the pandemic? 
or my the difficulties that I have at work. I, I need words to uh, to use uh, so that I can look at reality in a deeper way. Good, thank you. And and if I can follow up with that, you are yourself a high school teacher, right? Apollonio, is it was yes. Jasani's model for you. Did that extend to your cho- choice of uh, vocation? Yes, it it, it did. Become, I, I there's something about high school that um, I for me I'm just also I just love that age where you can have you can form relationships mm-hmm. um, and also um, make an impact. If that's yeah. you know the if I can say that. And for Jasani, the way he he spoke about this in his uh, in his experience was he always wanted to he wanted to enter the classroom with the awareness that they need Christ with this mm. urgency. And to me, I always have that in mind whenever I enter a classroom. Um, sometimes, I, even if I don't feel it, if it's raining and I'm sad or I just woke up, you know, in a bad with a bad mood, I think, okay, they need Christ. At least that a little bit of awareness of um, what I'm doing. And for him, it was very simple that Christ is the fulfillment of everyone to come to the classroom with that awareness allowed me to see my students as a gift mm. um, instead of just something that I have to endure for the next seven, eight hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> the constant ability to view your students every day and every one of those class sessions as a gift as a high school teacher is a extraordinary Exceptional, if I you will, <laughs> kind of thing. Because uh, I, I, I speak from I've taught high school for three years, and I think sometimes that is true in my experience. And sometimes I was enduring it. So I appreciate that that uh, perspective on how this motivates you. And uh, Marco, how about for you? How did this? What was what's so compelling about Jasani, and how has it shaped your life and work? Well, um, I guess I'm still discovering. What is so compelling about Giustani? It's really a constant discovery, and really, my my the best way to to describe why Giustani is compelling to me is the fact that I keep going back to rethink what has happened to me and keeps happening. You know, keep going back to the origin, which doesn't mean necessarily the first encounter, only the first encounter through my high school professor or through a few of my classmates, but. The encounter with Christ, like I keep going back to that. But in any case, I think that at the beginning, what convinced me, let's say this, the best way I describe now what happened then is that uh, up to that point, so I guess I was 16 at that point. Uh, And, you know, uh, I had gone to church um, on and off and my parents more for, again, uh, pedagogical reasons and not for um, faith reasons, they would send me to church and they would encourage me to go to church simply because there's nothing else uh, when you send your kids. But uh, I think that up to that point, uh, even if not explicitly, even if not through a discourse, the way that faith had been proposed to me was as if a fact of the past, mm-hmm. as if uh, Jesus Christ lived uh, walked on this earth 2,000 years ago, and now we uh, keep, maintain uh, the memory, the abstract uh, memory of this fact, and we are faithful mm. to this idea. That is mm-hmm. the best idea we have. It's the most persuasive idea we have, but it's an idea. Mm. Mm. 
And uh, contrary to that, and again, I didn't know at that time, but when we, we, we met Angelo, my high school professor, uh, something started to happen among us that was not an idea. We didn't know what, what that was. We started meeting every Saturday after school. Students who meet their philosophy professor after school, either something bad is going on or something <laughs> miraculous is going on. And that kept happening and uh, endless sighs that, again, I could not tell at that point what that was, but sighs that I could not not follow. I was growing. My friends were growing. The love that of, uh, and the care of this professor toward us was, was freeing, was freeing. Mm. And not even at home, I have to be honest, my parents don't speak English, so I can say not even at home, I would experience that freedom and that care. Yeah. Um, there, was, um, there was a lack of fear uh, with him. While at home, there was a, a care full of fear. Mm. Um, and uh, we all came from pretty much the same situation, again, in different ways. But all my friends who were fascinated by this new companionship followed uh, what was happening among us because of this, because something was happening among us um, that we could not explain, but it was clearly, you know, something good for us. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, uh, exposed, uh, I, I see that that the, 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 what convinced me then is what I can say now, I can describe now, is the fact that uh, what happened to the apostles 2,000 years ago was the same thing that was happening among us. I mean, the same thing, that Christ is not an abstract idea. Christ is a presence that we can encounter mm-hmm. in, the, in the community of, of, of those who believe in him. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the other bit, and I conclude, the other bit that convinced me was the boldness of the proposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was always a caution, both in the Boy Scouts, I was also a Boy Scout, and also, you know, Boy Scouts in Italy are, you know, a Jesuit, so like sort of Catholic association. Uh, and and then also in church, it was always a sort of cautioning, proposing the faith as if it has to be one of the good things of your life. It was pretty clear that, you know, Baruini Giussani, trying to understand Giussani, just leaving our companionship uh, back in high school, our professor was not shy in saying, this is Christ and Christ is, you know, for life. Christ, you know, gives everything and asks everything. And we did not understand that back then. But and I don't understand it now, but uh, it, I understand enough to to that I was willing to follow back then, and I'm still willing to follow now. Mm. And I thank God for that. That's wonderful. And Marco, if I could follow up again with you, I know that in your uh, scholarly career, you wrote a lot on Perse, and you wrote a lot on pragmatism. You wrote papers that are difficult for a layperson such as myself even to work through. Um, which I have tried to do um, a couple times. And yet you have taken a turn away from such matters to writing a book on death is your current project, right? And and this is a, a far more sort of throwing yourself into the questions of, <laughs> of <laughs> throwing yourself into the questions of the ultimate meaning of life. And I wonder, does, is your connection with CNLs, your passion for Jasani informing this kind of research as well? But can I just say interrupt here? Yeah. It's funny because uh, when I heard that um, St. Bernard's was interviewing Marco Stango, so I, I, I Googled him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I, well, one, wow, he's Italian. But 
too, like I, I looked at the, what he wrote and like the first article was like, Il drama de la parola, like the drama of the word. I'm like, my head, I'm like, okay, who talks like that? Right. <laughs> I'm like, is he in CL? Like, that was my first, like, is he CL? Cause like, who, who talks like that? And like, I don't know, like, there's a way of speaking. People, you know, anyway, I, I kind of had a guess, like, maybe this guy's CL. Cause the way, I mean, who, nobody, you know, has that kind of title in there. <laughs> I mean, it's very simple, but it was just, I, I, had, a, I had to guess. <laughs> That's good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, everything. Uh, um, so to, to answer the question, I guess, yes. Um, I don't really know. It's not a direct influence insofar as uh, even, even my work on Purse and on American pragmatism would, was always motivated by, by, a desire for knowledge that that was was informed and was educated by by um, the charisma of Luigi Giussani, but but at the same time, um, at the same time, at some point, I think I realized that I wanted to address the big questions, the big questions. Maybe to put it in Giussani's terms, uh, when he defines the religious sense, he defines it as that level, that factor in human nature that expresses itself in certain questions. What is the ultimate meaning of life? Uh, what does reality consist in? Uh, ultimately, what is my destiny? And yes, and so at some point I realized that I wanted to be uh, not necessarily more serious in my philosophical work, but more direct, more direct. Um, there was always in me there still is to some extent, but there's always in me a certain way to balance out in my scholarship the needs of scholarship and the needs of life. And at some point, um, also because I was not sure how, for how long I was going to be able to still do philosophy, at some point I said, "Look, you know, if I have uh, if I have this this many many months or this many years, I want to spend them." Uh, and doing what I, what what I what I what I what I'm interested in, what I really have a question about. Not that the, the work on Purse, by the way, uh, not necessarily my work on Purse, but Purse is a wonderful philosopher that should be rediscovered, also by Christians. I would say um, uh, th- there's a lot of misinformation about American pragmatism, and Purse is not like the others. But again, this is a topic for another discussion. Uh, but yes, so I hope I answered. I don't know if I answered. No, absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So, um, Giussani is best known for his trilogy of books, The Religious Sense, At the Origin of the Christian Claim, and Why the Church. These books follow an established approach of starting with human nature and philosophy, moving to revelation, and ending with community and tradition. But Jasani's approach is unique within each of these works. I've been working through these books myself, and what strikes me as I read them is his the level of his commitment to an idea of human nature as deeply defined by the desire for God, and the level of his commitment to human nature in general, which is uh, something that Apollonio has already mentioned. The enfleshed, the enfleshedness of God's uh, revelation is really important. 
But he he follows this through. When he talks even about in the religious sense before he gets to Jesus at all, he is saying, let's actually start with human nature, which he does by not by sort of an appeal to universals as if they are in a sort of naive way. Uh, Universals in the modern era come under suspicion almost immediately. And they might feel like centuries past or bad apologetics, but he's not grounding his um, understanding of human nature in his own assessment of what it means to be human necessarily. Like he's not standing there and pretending to understand all of human nature through one particular lens, but he really believes in the level of experience, with both, which both of you has mentioned so thus far, I think this is really important in his method. He believes in humanity and the nature of humanity as pointing toward and uh, the riddle of existence and that can only be answered by something beyond existence. And he believes it so much that he, more than perhaps any other theologian I've ever read, trusts each person's own experience and their own unique assessment of it as a place to begin and ground everything else. Uh, Could you talk about this emphasis on human nature, mystery, and then how we evaluate that with our own human experience? So it's, this is interesting. Um, I know it's, you begin with the religious sense and then you have the the book on Jesus and then you have the church, right? I think we actually have to start with the encounter with Christ, or at least the encounter with Christ. For Jusani, he always starts with the encounter of Christ that awakens our need for something more, for the infinite. So it's actually the encounter with reality or encounter with a sign, or it's it's an event. For him, what has primacy is the event of Christ that awakens the human heart, that provokes us and moves us. That And then we begin to see what our needs are really are. So he always starts with, you know, John and Andrew meeting Jesus and Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? And for the first time in their lives, they knew that they were seen. Right. And so I think it's important to understand that for Jisani, um, he, he, and he said this explicitly that I start with encounter with Christ, with the event of Christ that allows us to see who we really are. What does it mean to be human? And then the religious sense is to really look at your desires after that encounter with Christ. And as you said, the word that is, is very important is the word experience. And that word is original to Jusani in that for him, experience is to understand the meaning of something as it relates to the meaning of the whole thing. So for me, the best way to understand this is to give that story. It's this famous story that uh, even this great priest that I, I knew, uh, Lorenzo Albacete, this story about Jusani was uh, at night just riding his bike and his, he saw a couple passionately kissing, right? They're just making out. And then they saw Jusani with his cassock and then they stopped. And then Jusani looked at them and said, if you weren't doing anything wrong, then why did you stop? And then next thing you know, Jusani continued to go on. He was looking at the stars and the couple started to, you know, now that the priest is, you know, seems like to be, he's gone. Let's go start making out again. And Jusani was looking at the stars and he said the most beautiful idea came to him. And he went back to them and he said, what you're doing right now, what does it have to do with the stars? And for me, it's really beautiful because here is someone, and this is how great of an educator he is. He's not telling them, oh, you guys are wrong. Don't do this. This is bad for you or anything, right? Or And a lot of times Christianity for us is simply a change of behavior, a good morality. But for him, he shows them a path, a contemplative path. 
Like, what are you doing right now? What does it have to do with the whole, with the stars? Because what you're doing now, every gesture that you have has to do with everything. And so for me, um, it's really interesting because even this story shows that the way Justani looks looked at people, he always tried to look at them with, uh, with the whole in mind, with the stars, with everything. And so experience for Jisani is this, understanding the meaning of something, a particular thing, maybe the homework in front of me, um, the dishes in front of me, a person in front of me, as it relates to the meaning of the whole. This person in front of me, what does it have to do with the meaning of my life and the meaning of the whole cosmos? And it's really radical because nobody speaks about experience this way. I mean, for example, when I hear music, I don't really have an experience of this music unless I understand the meaning of it. So for him, there's an objective quality of experience. And that's just something subjective. You can't reduce experience to something, you know, I feel this Music is great. And that's it, right? That's a reduction of experience. He connects uh, experience to the meaning of the thing itself. And therefore, it seems there is your affection is involved. Your whole person is involved. And it, it opens up to the meaning of everything. And so when even it's very interesting, even the word experience for him is very particular because it has to do with the whole. I don't know if Marco wanted to say something more on that. But I mean, so... Jusani always starts with experience, but even the word experience for him is particular because it means you have to understand, which is an act of reason, the meaning of what's in front of you. And once you know the meaning in front of you, your affection is also involved. So reason and affection come together, even with this word experience. So the meaning of the thing, my reason, my affection, as it relates to the meaning of the whole. And so it's it's both, it, it kind of transcends the subject-object uh, dualism that we find in, in modern philosophy. Excellent, thank you. No, I, I mean, Apollonia already said it all, but um, just to, just to uh, uh, maybe um, add a, f- a few remarks, um, what, what, what you find in the religious sense, uh, keeping in mind what Apollonia explained, that the encounter with Christ in uh, Giussani's understanding of faith comes first because it is uh, from the encounter with Christ that we become uh, fully aware of of what we desire. The peak of reason and the peak of desire as participating in our rational nature says is the category of possibility and, and it's the affirmation of the mystery but but that means that we are confused. We still make mistakes. We cannot give a face to what we desire. We cannot control it. We cannot give it a face. We cannot define it. It's only in the encounter with Christ that we are given back to ourselves, even in recognizing what our desire truly is. Since the first edition of the religious sense that came, let's believe, 57, at least the first, there are three different editions of the religious sense. But but uh, it's interesting that the religious sense came out after uh, the Archbishop of Milano at that time uh, was um, Montini, who would then become uh, Pope Paul VI, uh, had written a, a, a letter to the archdiocese um, with the title On the Religious Sense. 
And it was really, really, uh, let's say it was not the common language in the church at that time to talk about these things. But um, the, the, the interesting bit of, of uh, Giussani's treatment of the notion of religious sense and the notion of experience that Apollonia used is the fact that contrary to the use of this notion in modernity, um, where experience becomes uh, what is merely subjective, what is contrary to uh, a strong form of metaphysical realism, uh, what is irrational, like in the uh, romantic Erlebnis. So um, contrary to all these views, for Giussani, the notion of experience is uh, strongly grounded in uh, metaphysics of being. And uh, for him, as again, Apollonio pointed out, there's no experience without judgment. There's no experience without uh, the work of reason. Those who read Giussani's notion of experience as uh, a synonym of the experience condemned in the Pascendi by Pius X, and therefore as the summation of modernism, that's a mistake in reading Giussani's notion of experience. Giussani wants to recover the tradition, certainly using modern terminology, uh, the notion of uh, the I or the self, the notion of experience, the notion of uh, freedom, which are key terms for Giussani. But this is a let's say, a creative retrieval of the tradition. It's all grounded in a deep um, uh, and strong metaphysical realism to the point that even when he talks about experience, when he talks about uh, the correspondence between uh, the needs of our heart and what we encounter in reality, that's his modern reinvention of uh, the traditional notion of truth, for example. He explicitly quotes St. Thomas Aquinas as truth is the adequatio reet intellectus. This encounter between the intellect, the mind, and the thing becomes in Giussani the experience of reality as corresponding to the needs of our heart. You see, the framework is the same. It's just a reinvention of the traditional framework for uh, modern purposes or for modern minds. I don't know how to put it. But to conclude, I just want to share, I don't know if it's, you know, on topic, but I want to share it because I recently discovered while I was teaching Augustine, and it's incredible. Yeah. Now, Augustine, in, the, in book 10 of his Confessions, he's talking about, um, um, well, he's introducing the problem of memory and the problem of how do we find God. And at some point he says, um, it is rather that the created order speaks to all but is understood by those who hear its outward voice and compare it with the truth within themselves. This notion of comparison with the truth within ourselves, this notion of comparison with the needs of of the human heart, Giussani would say, is precisely the work of experience and the work of rationality that is intrinsic to experience. Mm. (laughs) That's great. Um, That's very good. Also, I mean, it's really, it's... What you said, Charles, earlier was it's really, in, really interesting, too, because Josiah did have that trust in the human heart. And mm-hmm. that means a radical trust, which it's very easy not to, uh, especially today. Right. But for him, he knew that the needs of the heart um, long for Christ, even though if the person wasn't aware of it. Um, and so 
um, for me, that for me, uh, you know, not only that Christ can convince the human person to come to Him, but that there's something about us that can allow us to welcome Him. There's something mm-hmm. about, and so to me, there's that radical trust in human nature that I find really fascinating, and it gives me hope too. Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, thank you. So uh, I would like to follow up too by reading a couple of um, observations that Jasani has. Now, this is um, in the religious sense when he's established what he thinks of as the religious sense, um, this objective but experientially motivated um, need for God that doesn't come to self-understanding until the encounter of Christ as both of these Jasonians have emphasized, but he also talks about how this works within modern the modern world with two observations I'd like to hear your comments on. Page 77 uh, of The Religious Sense. There is a profound and original nexus between the fulfillment of my person, my path as a person, and the destiny of the world, that is to say, the incremental increase of the cosmos, passage of the human race towards its ultimate design. This is a great truth affirmed above all in the Christian idea of merit. According to this concept, the individual begins to live up to and grow towards his destiny in the measure in which his action moves, is for the world, builds up the world and humanity. It does so if it is offered to God, carried out for God's total design for the world. Is the object of life only to live? Will the feet of God's children be fastened to this wretched earth? It is not to live but to die, and not to hew the cross but to mount upon it, and to give all that we have laughing. There is joy, there is freedom, there is grace, there is eternal youth. What is the world worth of the world compared to life, and what is the worth of life if not to be given? On the other hand, Diderot's position, straight from the Enlightenment, as expressed in the Encyclopedia, is such an inhuman abstraction. Diderot says, O posterity, holy and sacred, the sustainer of the oppressed and of the unhappy, you who are just, you who are incorruptible, you who will reveal the good man and unmask the hypocrite, idea consoling and certain, abandon me not. Posterity for the philosopher, what the other world is for the religious. Jasani says, this seems to me to be a return to the most primitive state one can possibly imagine. Today, with less colorful words, we hear it said to us that the point of all our energy is to dissolve ourselves into the progress of the future. And this is his second observation. The progress toward the future, in whose hands is it? The powerful, those who have the force and circumstances, others do not. All right, so what do you think of this take where he both discusses the his conception of human nature and pointing toward a certain meaning within the universe and then critiques, I would say, two different modern ideas. I'll start with a few brief comments and then uh, I'm sure Polonia will have more to say. But what strikes me in these two passages is, so these two passages are taken from a chapter on the reduction of the question and the section is alienation. And when you were reading these two remarks, I was reminded once again of the absolute um, importance of Giussani today. Because what we understand by alienation today, today we understand by alienation some sort of uh, uh, oppression due to political, social conditions. That's our understanding of alienation. It's a purely immanent or immanentistic uh, or this-worldly understand, uh, understanding of our human condition. 
Well, it is interesting for Giussani that alienation is primarily the suppression or the reduction of the question for meaning, the reduction of the religious sense to something other. It's a reinterpretation motivated by political, social, cultural reasons of that very metaphysical structure in ourselves that cannot be suppressed. Again, the 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 stress on uh, the religious sense and the trust in the religious sense that Giussani has is is key once again here. And so, uh, while modernity tells us that what we need is answered not uh, by God or by the possibility of an encounter with uh, with God by by posterity, so in the creation of a better future. And therefore, the sacrifice of one's life in the present for the coming of a better future. For Giussani, who is not at all opposed to any form of political involvement or fight in the present for the good, on the contrary, the history of this movement shows that the political involvement has always been a concern for uh, those um, who, who were in CL. But it's clear that he's proposing a different form of. Uh, understanding of the notion of alienation. Alienation is the reduction of the religious sense to something else. And it's not that Giussani, uh, just to counter Diderot's quotation, it's not that Giussani is proposing mystical view of an afterlife or a different world, but it's a different world in this world, as he liked to say. It's a different world in this world. It's the hundredfold here. So it's the encounter with God here and therefore uh, he's sympathetic i would say with this desire for living well here and now that is uh, sometimes the concern of also uh, immanentistic positions with the advantage that then he does not fall into the trap of a position such as the one described here that we project our desire into a utopic future. Utopia, again, he, he opposes to the idea of utopia, the idea of the presence. Mm. Instead mm. of utopia, an understanding of history not based on a utopia, but based on the presence. The presence of what? Of the fact of Christ. Mm. Good, thank you. That joining of those two concepts, presence and utopia, the setting them against each other. Yeah, just, seems... to, um, just to add something. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, it, it, that... A passage came from, um, yeah, so modernity says that, you know, more or less there's a project involved, right? We're, we're either we're going to construct ourselves or we're going to construct a future um, progress. I mean, he's speaking here in this passage, at least in this chapter about progress. Um, sometimes we reduce the religious sense, that is the need for meaning, for the fulfillment of the collective, whatever it is, humanity, right? So I can do a lot of good things for humanity and then I'll die, right? And then <laughs> is that enough? And so um, Giussani, before that, he cites Dostoevsky where he says, I want to see with my own eyes the lion lie down with the lamb and the murdered man rise up and embrace his murderer. I want to be there when everyone suddenly finds out what it has all been for. In other words, I cannot sacrifice my own fulfillment for the fulfillment of the other as if I don't receive anything afterwards. And so merit, when he speaks about merit here, um, not, he means it in the sense that um, my fulfillment is also related to your fulfillment. 
I can't just sacrifice everything for, for you and then I'll be dead and I'm gone while humanity moves on without me. No, I actually want to be there. Right. And yeah. I want to be happy with everybody. I don't want to lose the people I love. I, I want I want something that lasts forever. And to for design to say that we should just live for progress as if your life should consist in just doing everything for the world without you, without your heart. It's a reduction itself. Um, and so it's interesting how he ties that to merit, which is, again, retrieving Christian tradition, but also showing how it actually fulfills this religious need of ours that we, I don't want to be happy on my own. I can't be happy with the people, without the people I love, without the humanity that I love. By humanity, I also mean the whole world that I love. And so, again, the whole is is seen here. It, to love something is to also love everything. Mm. And that is in, when he speaks about offering something. Uh, he always says, you know, when you're offering your work, which is which for him, offering means to recognize Christ, not just I'm doing this for somebody. But no, I'm recognizing Christ in these potatoes that I'm cutting. I recognize him. It's love. It's an, an affirmation of the other. He also says you can do that for the people in Japan, right? Mm. Because there is what you're doing relates to the whole mm. and to say that you should take yourself away for the good of the whole it sounds nice but it actually reduces your desire because you mm. want to be happy as long with you know as well with others right so anyway that's the how i saw that passage and, and again the, the whole is always there in his in his in his gaze his love for the whole for everything and if you take out one particular thing, you're, you're already reducing it. You're already, you know, taking away something essential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. This is uh, what he wants to argue for the religious sense and God in relation to the re- religious sense. And then ultimately for Jesus, that he, Jesus is... When he talks about this in the, at the origin of the Christian claim, Jesus is the revelation of God Part of that is that he does not reduce any of this to one particular thing. There is no reduction going on there. It speaks to every aspect of the human person. So when he works through this and at the origin of the Christian claim, his contention is that Jesus corresponds to the religious sense and to these desires and needs of the human heart and all their complexity and in all their freedom. He points throughout to the gospel narratives themselves, showing how Jesus encounters people, bringing them to a crisis of faith in him, but in such a way that corresponds to their whole person, their desire, and doesn't force it. So Jesus is, as the revelation of God, not a straightforward logical proof or a person who overwhelms others in any coercive way, but this manifestation of God that we can intuit as our deepest need and not something that would just, okay, this is the whole show. You know, this is, this is a real simple mathematical proof that you then just have to shut up and accept. But rather that um, there's a mapping here that is a manifestation of God and the riddle of the universe in a person. So what's, how would you describe, this is my little summary of a very long and complex book, but how would you describe Jasani's sort of unique presentation of Jesus in this at the origin of the Christian claim. We've talked about how Jesus is present now. How does he go back to the Gospels and 
present how compelling Jesus is to the apostles, as uh, you talked about Apollonio, and the ex- and how exceptional he is in all these ways. This is a difficult question to summarize the entire book. is 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 uh, It's a difficult task, but I guess I would say just this as a, as a way of introduction. Um, if I had to select one convincing idea of the way Giussani proposes the, the, the figure of Christ in uh, the origin of the Christian claim, is his stress on the fact that uh, those who would follow him uh, were not convinced by a discourse, did not understand everything, um, did not receive a proof of the fact that he was the Messiah. But he uses sometimes this category, this the idea of they were they were they were met with a plus of humanity in him, uh, with an extra of humanity, un più di umanità in Italian. I don't know how it's translated in English, but it's a plus of humanity. Is some, some uh, there was something in in him. Giussani is very fond of redescribing what happens in the gospel by um, uh, helping us to put ourselves in the shoes of those who are there seeing Christ, looking at Christ, listening to Christ. He says that imagination is an important tool to read the Gospels, not because we have to reconstruct the Gospel in our minds according to our pleasures, but it's because uh, it's, it's, it's an instrument for us to become part of what is happening there. Those are facts. It's uh, the account of facts. And so this plus of humanity, people were convinced and would follow Christ, following this uh, endless small signs in which or through which they would perceive there was something exceptional in that man, something absolutely exceptional, and they could not deny that they had to follow. The method is to follow the positive, the exceptionally positive that you encounter. And this, uh, in Giussani's terminology, leads to the notion of event. For the people who encountered Christ, Christ was an event, something so exceptional that was uh, humanly not reducible to the to merely human factors, something in humanity that was irreducible to humanity. And, and that was the beginning. That was the origin of the Christian claim, I would say, uh, according to, to Giussani. The book also goes on describing the, 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 the constitution of the first community and so on and so forth. But I would probably mention this idea uh, as, as uh, a way into the book. And this connects to what we were saying before, just to give a little continuity to what we said, to the notion of encounter. The, the synthesis, the encounter comes first. And uh, also to... Um, um, what, what Giussani calls in the first chapters of the religious sense, um, the methodological pluralism that we need in order to know reality in its variety. When he talks about moral certainties, how do we attain moral certainties? How do we know that our mother loves us uh, or that my wife loves me? How am I certain that when I come back from home and uh, my wife serves me uh, a good plate of pasta, uh, there's no poison in the pasta. How do I know that she loves me? It's because through an endless series of signs, I have uh, rationally, uh, effectively, and confidently uh, declared to myself that she loves me. That's the 
only possible explanation that she loves me. And the same dynamic, although uh, not fully at the natural level, but in the mysterious connection between supernature and nature, that's also the dynamic of the recognition of Christ. There must, there's something in this, if this man is not the Messiah, I cannot make sense of what has happened to us. It was beautiful the way, I mean, even listening to what Marco was saying earlier about when he was telling his story, he used the word happening. This something was happening. Something was happening. I mean, the words he used was an event. Something was happening. Um, I just also want to read this because for me, it's really just beautiful. I think I just, I'll let him uh, speak, Jusani. He said, the greatest miracle, which left a deep imprint on the disciples every day, every day, right? Not just like one day. And then, but was not the healing of crippled legs, the cleansing of diseased skin, or the restoration of sight to the blind. The greatest miracle of all was that truly human gaze, which revealed man to himself and was impossible to evade. Nothing is more convincing to man than a gaze which takes hold of him and recognizes what he is, which reveals man to himself. Jesus saw within man. No one can hi- could hide in front of him, and before him, the depths of conscience had no secrets. This was the case of the Samaritan woman who, in a conversation at the well, heard him tell her life story. It was precisely this that she relayed to her countrymen as a testimony to the greatness of that man. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. This was also the case of Matthew, the tax collector, who was considered a public sinner because he served the Roman economic power. Jesus simply said to him as he passed by, come. And recognized, taken hold of, accepted, he left everything and followed him. This also happened to Zacchaeus, the senior tax collector, the most hated man in all of Jericho. Surrounded by a great crowd, Jesus was passing by on the road, and Zacchaeus, a small man, was curious and climbed the tree for a better look. On reaching that tree, Jesus stopped, fixing his gaze upon him and cried, Zacchaeus, Then he said, come down quickly because I must stay at your house today. What suddenly struck Zacchaeus? What made him run joyfully home? Was he making plans for his vast wealth? Did he want to generously return his ill-gotten gains to give half of his goods to the poor? What shook him and changed him? Quite simply, he had been penetrated and captured by a gaze that recognized and loved him for what he was. The ability ability to take hold of the heart of a man is the greatest, most persuasive miracle of all. And so I think for me, that's just a little uh, taste of what you read from Gisani. I love that. Thank you. That's a a wonderful passage. And I have to say, I thought a lot about this very feature of Jesus in the Gospels lately. And and really for some times, I've thought about uh, questions of religious authority in grad school in sort of an academic way. And then lately, as I've just been thinking more on a personal level um, through the Gospels, what's astonishing when you really slow down and look at it is that Jesus called people and they followed him. Come follow me. And they did. That is not something that was happening uh, commonly in first century Palestine or something. You You were obligated when someone walked up to you and said, follow me to just like, all right, here's an adventure. You know, off we go. This is... uh, this is a, a strange thing that happened. You know, they didn't come to hear him talk. Like you said, they didn't like hear him preaching or see his miracles in every case. I mean, he got followers that way. But these original disciples, he walked up to them and said, follow me. And off they went. And he said, get out of her to the demons, you know, 
same thing. So we have this like a compelling thing that's going on, but I like the humanity that, that Jasani gives it there. And I think that's deeply true in all of these narratives that there's a personal power that is coming on there that is, is not a compelling force toward the humans that is perhaps toward the demons, but rather a compelling seeing of the, of the self that, that immediately makes a person say, okay, whatever he's got, I'm following him. You know, this is, this is, um, I, I need that. Just like what you experienced in high school and college, Apollonio, and what Marco experienced in high school, a certain level. And what I experienced when I said I would cut off my arm if, if we didn't bring Marco here, you know, <laughs> there's a certain like, hey, whatever is, whatever is going on here, I want to, I want to join that. That was really happening in the Gospels. I like that very much. Thanks for reading that. You know, in the third book, Jasani talks about the church, why the church. And um, he situates the presence and the ongoing uh, experience of the presence of Christ like we started this uh, discussion with, not as a fixed point in history that you hold back there. Oh, this thing happened. We attest to it and we think it was great, but rather an ongoing personal encounter with, with Jesus. And he talks about two different sort of, I'm going to do a you know, butcher job of this summary, but he talks about two different sum, um, tr- ways of dealing with Jesus what he calls the Protestant way, or um, what I think he's thinking about evangelicals. He seemed to know a lot about American evangelicals for some reason or another. Didn't he do a dissertation on them or something? So he's talking about American evangelicals, who he wrote a dissertation on, and he calls it the Protestant way. And this is this uh, notion of, hey, me and my Bible alone in the closet with the Holy Spirit, this is the way Jesus happens. Um, and then he talks about the historicist way, which is fixing, okay, if we can sort of nail down what exactly was happening here, this is who Jesus is, the historical Jesus. And, and for whatever part of the Bible, we're going to fix it in its history and, and then study it. And he talks about the church as a counter to both of these ways um, that preserves human experience. And that's why I was, that's what I'm really interested in, in this. I want to read part of this, then ask you what you think of the living mediating presence of the church in Jasani. But here on um, the human factor, he talks about chapter is titled the human factor on page 123 of why the church. And he says the church's most specific claim is not just that it is the vehicle of the divine, but that this vehicle works through human reality. And indeed, this is Christ's own claim. It was an insurmountable objection to the religious leaders and the educated people of his time, and it caused a great scandal. Is he not the carpenter, the son of Joseph? Uh, Surely he is one of us, they said, one whose background we can trace and whose identity we can check as we can check anyone else's. Moreover, the height of the scandal was the fact that he not only did his identity present nothing mysterious at first, but that his human personality displayed a disconcerting openness toward all sectors of the population. Uh, This is the scandal which the church, in its essence and its existence in history, reproposes today and forever. So he wants to bring the church into this fullness or surplus of humanity, say, okay, you can trace the church through history, 
But there's something happening here, as the way I'm reading this book, uh, that just as Jesus had the surplus of humanity, this how we can experience the divinity that we claim for, for Jesus, the church has the same surplus of humanity, and that is how we experience Jesus now, which I think you started with as you talked about communion and liberation. You see God in people. And this is what sort of safeguards and um, brings to, not even safeguard, it's not just holding the, the positive faith in a sort of a don't attack it kind of a way, but rather continually unveiling it in this very, very human way that this is the way we experience tradition and with a special focus on everyone. Jesus is open to all sectors of society. The church and its core is here comes everyone, right? This is uh, the the point. So uh, those are my little musings. Um, what would you guys say in response to, to all this? Um, for me, uh, well, it's interesting because um, it's, you know, it's the season of the resurrection, right? Um, Easter season still. And um, I think a month ago I was teaching my apologetics class, you know, all the, the good old fashioned arguments for the resurrection, you know, Tom Wright or William Lane Craig, you know, there's an empty tomb and the appearance of, you know, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And it sounds great. And you can say, you know what, what's the best explanation for all these facts, the empty tomb, uh, the experience of seeing Jesus and the growth of Christianity, the belief that he actually rose from the dead and there's no precedent. Right. And you can say the resurrection, but then you're like, okay, but where is he then? Right. I mean, if that's true, why am I not moved by that? I mean, so it's very easy just to see Jesus as a a historical fact just in the past, as if he never rose from the dead. And you can give good arguments for it. But then the question is today, where is he? Hmm. Um, Now, we can say you can use that historical approach and do a good job with it. Or you can say, well, if you pray or you're born again or, you know, whatever Protestant um, version you like, you have a good feeling. And this is not a bad thing, right? You, you enjoy the presence of Christ. But for Gisani, he says that when you encounter Christ in the church, something objective today, it enhances even the, the Protestant view or the, the historical view or the purely historical view. Um, and for me, it's what's fascinating is that for Gisani, you really recognize Christ through a witness for a human witness, someone who is assigned, but someone who's, who has seen Christ, who experienced him. And for us, that's a scandal because human beings, we all know, were rotten. And we can list all the horrible things the Catholic Church, uh, the members of the Catholic Church has done in the past decade or decades. Um, we can list all of those things. But he insists that through the human flesh, the carnality of the logos, right, that we can encounter God himself. And because there's something even today, there's an objective human fact in today that, that explains to me my life, that corresponds to my heart, just like Christ corresponded to the deepest desires of his apostles and disciples. And the beautiful thing is, for Giussani, he says, whenever you encounter something beautiful, this produces wonder, right? It's surprising. You didn't anticipate it. It corresponds to you somehow. And the question then is, why? And he, you always have to verify that. And for, for him, um, verification is um, a very important method because I can, for example, 
Lorenzo Albacete struck me. Here's this man who's Puerto Rican who can quote Flannery O'Connor, very funny, um, while all smoking a cigarette. He's very messy, fat, um, and but the way he spoke was beautiful, right? He, you know, he said either Christ is, is God or offense to God, right? I remember that line from him. Very, very beautiful. Now, I'm either sentimental or I'm, I met something that's true. And for me, I have to ask myself, is this true for me? For example, if he says, if you say morning prayer, your life will be more fulfilled, right? And so that, that means for me, you know what? I have to verify it. Will my life be better if I say morning prayer? Now, it's interesting because if I verify this, if I say morning prayer and my life is better, better in the sense that it's more fulfilled because I recognize the truth and the beauty and goodness of my life with a, you know, in relationship to the meaning of the whole, then he, it's, he offered me something that is, I couldn't have um, seen without him, but also transcends him. In other words, it could be that I could have discovered that Lorenzo Albacete was the worst sinner in the world. And yet what he said was true because I verified it on my own. For me, for him to tell me morning prayer uh, makes your life better. And then I verified that. I know, one, I can say it's true, not simply because he told me, but because I've, I also see it in my own experience. Now, I wouldn't have seen it with that in my own experience without him, but it's also uh, something beyond him. Because now I can say, even if Albacete was a, a hypocrite, he didn't really believe that. He had five wives with, without us knowing, whatever it is. But the thing is, I know in my own experience, it's true. And so even if the members of the church could be the biggest sinners in the world, but if there is, we may meet a human person who witnesses to Christ, witnesses the truth in some ways, and then we verify it, we, cannot, we can no longer deny that it's true. I don't know if that made sense, but that was in a short summary how, um, how we can see that there's a divine in the human, which is the church today. Um, you know, just to, to, to add one, one brief comment. Yeah, what strikes me is really, in, in, in one word, the fact that for Giussani, the community is sacramental. The community is sacramental, which is an idea that for some reason is still hard to, to accept to some. I mean, but uh, the idea that the community is sacramental to me means that while we're having this podcast now, there is something that is happening now among us three that is not purely humanly explainable. Mm-hmm. That we're sharing something that transcends us and yet it goes around to us, through us. And the fact that it's sacramental is also ironic because, you know, uh, after all, God has a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> you know, when, 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 but this is truly the dynamic of, of what, we, what we live in the church, that we, we, things happen and uh, um, seeds are planted, fruits uh, grow, and we, we, we just see them happen through us, in us. And um, we recognize that it's somebody else acting in us and through us. Somebody else, but in us and through us. When you were mentioning the fact that 
you were struck by this idea of communal liberation and by the things that I was saying during my interview for, for, for the job at St. Bernard's. I mean, it's ridiculous. I was you know, <laughs> probably a complete mess. I remember that after I was certainly a complete mess. I Certainly I was not paying attention to what I was saying. But you see, that's, that's, that's what happens. And that's what happens. And we, we, but we have to help us uh, recognize within our companionship, within our communion, uh, the signs of his presence. And he is present. This is what, what, what strikes me, the sacramentality of our friendship. Mm. And everything, life, daily life changes. Going to work and having lunch is different. Doing the dishes while my wife tells me that, you know, I should also clean the mugs is different. And so on and so forth. Like the the, the, the human relationships gain a, a powerfulness that would be impossible otherwise. It, also, it's interesting how um, what Mark said about the sacramentality of the church, where there's a temptation to reject the sign, the human person. So the the temptation is either one. I think the sign is Christ, meaning Alba said it is Jesus. I love Alba said he's Jesus. And the next thing you know, when I see that he was a mess. I'm scandalized, right? Mm -hmm. Or I don't need the sign. I just have, I just love Jesus. And the thing is, well, that's an abstraction. And how do you know that's Jesus that you're following? Rather, the, the, the method is that you need to love. You cannot know Christ without the church, which mm -hmm. is you need the sign. Um, and the sign is not Christ, but it's the presence of Christ. You can't reduce Christ to this sign, uh, but you need this sign. Um, otherwise, you're living in your own abstraction or you're living in idolatry, which is you're trying to you think that this person is God uh, who is not. Or again, or just an abstraction, which is a distraction to reality, really. And so for me, it's really beautiful how for what Marco said that um, Yusani really uh, upholds the sacramentality of the church, which means um, here is the presence of Christ uh, that you need, that you can't have faith without this human presence of Christ in the world, but you can't reduce Christ to this to the church either, right? Mm -hmm. This is very helpful. Thank you. Uh, is there any anything you'd like to add? We've we've just gone through a bit of just on his life, a bit of the religious sense, a tiny bit of uh, at the origin of the Christian claim, and a tiny bit of why the church. I am quite sure this leaves both of you feeling unsatisfied <laughs> but is there is there any way you'd like to to cap off anything we've been talking about just say that uh this was a wonderful experience and a wonderful opportunity to share the li the little i know about Josani and the 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 all the desire i have to 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 know him better um and also uh, since uh, as you mentioned at the beginning uh, Apollonia and I are going to teach this uh, class this summer on Giussani, Wounded by Beauty. Let me say that like the thought of teaching a class on Giussani was so incredibly intimidating. The fact that, you know, I can get the help and the support and the lead of Apollonia is wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I just thought if I don't know the answer, Marco could answer it. And <laughs> but it's, what you said is interesting because there's so much more to say. That's the thing about Dusani. There's always more, much more to say. Um, I, I feel like you just saw a little glimpse of it. And for me, I, 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 I don't know how I would 
have lived my life without encountering this charism uh, just because he, he made me fall in love with everything. And I, for me, that, that's what it, I mean, he says this a lot, that um, life, I mean, Christianity is like being in love. Mm. Um, and it's not about just doing something good, um, but um, to see there's something that happens in my life, that happens, that something that happens in life that allows you to to be rooted in and grounded in the beautiful good and, and the beautiful truth of things. Um, and it's a beautiful way of living. That's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I like that quote very much. Uh, Christianity is like being in love. Very good. All right. So um, thank you, guys. This was really great. Thank you so much for your discussion. It's really been great to, uh, for someone who's really interested in Jasani, it's been wonderful to talk to you both, like, and get to know you and have such great examples of that kind of transformation that this charism provides people. It's been very inspiring for me. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Apollonio. Thank you. Thank you.